From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Hello, this is the IFN Podcast. I'm Nisreen, news editor at Islamic Finance News and your host in this episode. Today, I have with me Lim Se Chong, the CEO of Saudi Venture Capital Investment Company, or SVCIC for short, a fully-fledged Sharia-compliant investment company. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Lim. Thank you, Nazreen, for this uh, podcast opportunity to share my insights, views, and thoughts on the private equity, venture capital, Islamic finance uh, industry. Happy to be here with you this morning. Absolutely. So I understand that aside from Saudi Arabia, you've also spent some time in the UAE, and notably as the executive director for global markets at Noor Islamic Bank previously, and then as the executive vice president of Al-Hilal Bank, and also as the CEO of Luta Global Capital. I wanted to ask if you could share with us some insights on the Islamic venture capital and private equity space in the GCC and perhaps in Southeast Asia or, or any of the regions that you have, you know, focused on in the last decade. What would you say are the similarities that they share? What would you say the differences are? Any opportunities? Any challenges? I'd like to know your thoughts on these. Yes, sure, Nazreen. I think I'll start with a brief on the development of private equity and venture capital landscape in the region as well as in Southeast Asia. Uh, I'll then delve into the commonalities, differences, challenges, and opportunities. Perfect. Since the global financial crisis of 2007 and 2008, the GCC private equity market, uh, both the traditional and share compliant, has witnessed significant growth. Uh, and this is despite seismic events such as the collapse of Abraj in 2018. And Abraj, of course, was a titan in the private equity industry. And of course, the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 and 2021, when funding for private equity and venture capital deals dried up. Now, we have some very extreme naysayers uh, who had predicted the demise of the PEVC industry in the GCC. Uh, not only did that not happen, the PEVC industry has in fact grown exponentially instead. So this is quite interesting development. The robust growth is mainly on account of the Gulf Sovereign Wealth Fund becoming increasingly more active in the private equity space as they search for yields and portfolio diversification. For example, uh, last year in Israel, uh, PE bio investments in MENA, uh, Middle East, North Africa, exceeded $14 billion, with 60 bouts driven primarily by the sovereign wealth funds. Um, and Saudi Public Investment Fund announced plans to invest $24 billion into the Middle East, North Africa region through five investment vehicles. So just a small example of the sovereign wealth fund which is uh, in the driving seat right now in terms of creating growth in the PE and VC space uh, in the GCC. This year, in March, Abu Dhabi-based investment and holding company, uh, ADQ, as well as international holding company, IHC, announced plans to create alternative investments platform to invest into alternative assets. And this includes private equity, venture capital, and private credit, among others. So, 
just this development in the last one, two years, it's very clear where the focus is and where the uh, the driver of growth is going to come from for the both the PE and VC industry. Now, uh, let's not talk about Southeast Asia. Similarly, the PE and VC industry in Southeast Asia experienced a boom. And this is uh, due to an abundance of cheap liquidity, cheap money, uh, driven by the error of ultra-loose monetary policy, as we know. Uh, in both developed and emerging economies, interest rates were almost zero. So this is true, especially up to 2021, uh, where investors did not shy away from high valuations of PE or VC transactions. We've seen very lofty valuations, and yet money poured into those uh, transactions. Now, PE and VC investors are pickier now, of course, in the aftermath of the US Federal Reserve and the central banks around the world raising interest rates aggressively in the last 18 months. Now, uh, before I finish off this part on Southeast Asia, Nizreen, there's very important, perhaps an interesting fact as well, that is not immediately obvious to most people. Uh, in Southeast Asia, Myanmar and Cambodia have the highest penetration rate, meaning that largest percentage of PEVC capital backing the private sector uh, is in Myanmar and Cambodia. In fact, they are the highest amongst all the Asia Pacific countries. So it's pretty interesting to note that these two countries, which are on the parameter, I would say, you know, at a, at a, on the parameter of um, the uh, Asian economy, is in actual fact leading in terms of uh, backing PE and VC. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah. And I think this is not difficult to understand because uh, the banking system and capital markets in both these countries are not well developed. So therefore, if you are a venture firm or a private equity firm, your only source of funding and financing is typically through a private equity investors or venture capital investors because you can't go to the bank and get financing and funding uh, given that they're not well developed in these countries. Now, uh, in the UAE, on, in, in the GCC, on the other hand, the UAE, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait uh, makes up 80% of the total private equity investments in the GCC. So it's pretty concentrated in these three countries, um, but that's how it is. So, so that's a summary of the PEVC landscape uh, in both the GCC as well as in Southeast Asia. Right. Now, I think you asked about similarities, right? Right. And also, uh, what are the Islamic uh, PEVC implications on this? Like how much of it is you know, uh, covered by Sharia compliant or Islamic investments? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's on the surface only at the moment. I think it's just scratching the, uh, scratching the surface. Interesting. Myanmar, um, mm. yeah, as you know, is a predominantly Buddhist country, I believe, uh, the population. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's Cambodia. There are some pockets of uh, Muslim investors. Uh, but it's not easy uh, for Sharia compliant because even in a more developed places, like in the GCC, Sharia compliance has always played um, uh, the little brother to the conventional space, whether in banking or in PE or VC. So it is so much harder in uh, countries like Cambodia and Myanmar, uh, where the infrastructure is not there, the ecosystem is not there, even for the conventional, let alone on Islamic. Gotcha. And okay, yeah, so let's go back to um, uh, you were going to say about the similarities. Yeah, a couple of similarities. 
Uh, I think PE and VC is always um, difficult uh, when they go to the bank to raise um, financing, especially if it's a nascent company or, or, or a startup. Uh, banks normally do not like that. And IPOs, as you know, are generally not available uh, to greenfield and young companies. So the private equity and VC financing market becomes the key driver of growth. And in fact, probably the most important driver of growth. So the similarity is there for both the region is the same. Um, now, both GCC and Southeast Asia have, by and large, I would say, a relatively young uh, population, right? In some countries like in Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, very large Muslim populations as well. So youth in Indonesia, in Saudi Arabia, and say the Philippines, they are quick to embrace and adopt new technologies because these are the young generation. So this is growing market for company offering innovative services and products. Uh, hence, I would say the door is wide open for new and nascent companies with appealing business and a compelling strategy to raise money from the PE and VC uh, investors. So this is the same on both sides of the region. Yeah. Now, Southeast Asia with its growing Muslim population in countries such as Indonesia, Malaysia, to some extent Singapore, are of course very attractive destinations for Islamic private equity investments because there's a natural demand for Sharia compliant investments. Now, similarly, if you come to the GCC, uh, I would highlight Saudi Arabia especially because it is the biggest market and the biggest population. With I would say quite a sizable Muslim population has actually seen an increase in demand for share combined investing and opportunities. So this is again the similarity between both the regions. Now, the third similarity is in the um, sector. Now, tech companies are very much in favor in both the GCC and Southeast Asia. Um, so this is despite the fact that many of the tech companies are unprofitable, uh, but they have been the biggest beneficiaries of the PE VC investing. Because investors have been chasing after, you know, what the so-called next unicorn, you know, so, so young companies such as in Southeast Asia, C Group or GoTo or Grab, uh, with lofty valuations have been, uh, raising money quite easily despite losing billions of, um, uh, uh rupiah or billions of ringgit, uh, or sing dollar losses annually. So despite bleeding money, they have been able to raise money quite comfortably. Because they are into the tech sector, that seems as, you know, the future. Um, and people like that. Now, uh, the fourth uh, similarity, I would say, is that uh, P investors in both the region are overall agnostic. Um, I think this is true. They don't typically get, I have to invest in share compliant, unless uh, the fund is purely share compliant. For example, coming from Islamic Bank or coming from a Takafu, but this, but Islamic banks and Takafu are not PEVC, big PEVC investors. In fact, they don't even invest in the PEVC space. So the, the, the rest of the other players are by and large agnostic. They go after the yield. They go after the business model. They go after what they like. Uh, so this is again, I would say to a large extent, the similarity between both the region. Hmm. That's very interesting. Okay, so let me now speak briefly on the differences. I think this is interesting as well. Uh, the GCC private equity and VC scene is driven primarily by sovereign wealth fund. I mentioned that earlier. 
For example, uh, Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, International Holding Company, and Mubadala in Abu Dhabi, Investment Corporation of Dubai in Dubai, Public Investment Fund in Saudi Arabia, Qatar Investment Authority in Qatar and Kuwait Investment Authority. Uh, in the G in the Southeast Asia, uh, on the other hand, the investors are much more spread out, okay, much more diverse and more varied because there are a lot more uh, PEVC asset managers in Asia Pacific region as a whole. Uh, so the investors tend to be a, a bit more uh, uh, diversified, not so concentrated in the in the hand a few sovereign wealth fund. Now, Tamase is active, as you know, and in Malaysia, MathCap is active in venture capital. But they, they are not the only big investors. There are also other investors in the region. So this is as opposed to the GCC, where right now is primarily driven by the sovereign wealth fund. They are the largest. Now, uh, in terms of sector, in Southeast Asia, uh, the main focus would be on TMT, technology, media, and telecommunications. Okay, and with some consumer sector as well, receiving, I think, the highest private equity backing and financing. So these are the preferred sector in Southeast Asia. In GCC, on the other hand, fintech, tech, e-commerce account for 90% of all PE and VC investments. So that tells you where the focus is, right? G uh, fintech, tech, and e-commerce. And of course, they are also into energy, infrastructure, real estate, and tourism. And I've Got to say, in the last two years, at least I've seen, there has been an increasing trend uh, into the renewable energy and healthcare. So this is the, the GCC. And, and finally, I think there are also differences in the regulatory environment, the, especially in Islamic finance. The, uh, the GCC countries generally tend to have a more developed and standardized regulatory framework for Islamic finance compared to Southeast Asian countries. I'm not talking about Malaysia. Specifically, Malaysia obviously is developed, but I'm talking about the other countries within the Southeast Asia. They don't have the kind of developed standardized framework, okay, as compared to the GCC. So, in terms of Islamic private equity and venture capital, Southeast Asia leads the GCC. Uh, Malaysia has a very well developed Islamic finance ecosystem, as you know, and has been successful in attracting, I think, both the local international investors. And of course, the government itself has been very proactive. They have introduced various measures, initiatives to promote the growth of Islamic finance, uh, including providing tax incentive and regulatory reforms. So that is, uh, Francis, pardon me for being so long-winded. No, no, that is very interesting, actually. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, maybe the uh, opportunities. Uh, I think this will be interesting for, for the listeners. Uh, I think the opportunities mainly in the technology sector. This is the future. This is a mega wave, and I don't think it's going to change. I think in both the GCC and in Southeast Asia, uh, we will continue to see a rise in tech startups. And so this would offer, obviously, significant investment opportunities for also the Islamic PEVC firms. Uh, so I expect the Islamic VC and PE firms will be looking a lot into fintech, e-commerce, health tech, and agri-tech. Uh, so I think the future augurs well uh, for the Islamic VCMPE. Uh, infrastructure development is going to be very important, uh, especially in the GCC. So, you know, topic like renewable energy, as we speak, there is COP28 in Dubai. So, you know, they're looking at that climate change thing. So renewable energy, uh, transportation, logistics, supply chain. So all this actually offers a long-term investment opportunities for Islamic VCMPE in both the region. 
Uh, and I think the third part is important, which is Islamic SMEs. Uh, as you know, SMEs are really the, the, the little brother to the big companies, right? Most of the time, they don't get financing. So the PE and VC industry has tremendous opportunity to support the growth of SMEs, uh, even those companies that are operating in compliance with the Islamic principles. So if, if the more and more of the PE and VC invest into the companies which are Sharia compliant, then obviously you give rise to further growth in the Islamic PE and VC space. So I think that's the opportunity. Um, but there are also challenges, uh, Nizreen, before I wrap up the session. Uh, from what I've seen, it's very limited share compliant deal flow, right? So sometimes this is a frustration. We have the money, we have the liquidity, we have the investors, but we can't find the right deals because most of the deals are not strictly speaking share compliant. So that's the, uh, one of the challenges that I've seen continuously. Uh, talent and expertise is also a problem, especially in the GCC. Uh, the talent pool is not so deep as compared to Asia, a much deeper talent pool. And when it comes into the Islamic space, the, the, the pool becomes even smaller because it becomes, becomes very niche. So that's uh, the challenge. And without the right talent expertise, it's very hard to propel growth going forward. So there is a need to address this. And the third, the third uh, challenge is exit opportunities. Uh, it's not easy, it's not ex easy to exit, you know, uh, whether to IPOs or MNAs or strategic sale. It's not always easy, especially if your business is PE, if your business is in the Islamic space. Um, it makes it something difficult for, uh, agnostic investors because of the, what they perceive as very stringent rules and conditions of doing business. So yeah, these are some of the challenges. Mm. Okay. I wanted to ask you about the the growth of Islamic finance assets. And as I understand it, it seems a bit uneven. And it's like, well, mostly concentrated on Islamic banking and the debt capital market. And less on, say, the asset management space and the takaful sector. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, it is interesting even. Uh, I think the, I can't remember the figures now, but I think it should be close to three trillion or really more than three trillion in terms of the asset, Islamic assets we're talking about. Uh, there are a few reasons, but I think, uh, for that uneven growth, 72% in Islamic banking, I think, uh, maybe around 10 to 12% in capital markets and the balance is asset management and takafu. Uh, the main reason is the infrastructure, I think, the infrastructure, you see. Banking and uh, direct capital markets have a hit start because the country, all countries that are into Islamic finance have developed their infrastructure and regulatory framework to support the growth of Islamic banking and capital markets because these two are the pillars of the economy, right? The banks and the capital. They are the pillars, as opposed to asset management or takafu. So, because Islamic banking and, and capital markets have a head start, it, this has made it easier for these sectors to attract investments and grow at a faster rate compared to the relatively newer sectors like the asset management and takafu or Islamic insurance. So, I think this is probably the main reason why you're seeing there's so much growth there. The government is creating infrastructure, the ecosystem, they're promoting it, uh, and people have a need for it. So, so that's the main reason. Uh, the second reason is also uh, the lack of innovation. And with this, 
also limited product offering. The Islamic asset management doesn't have innovation. Um, it's very flat, as you can see. The asset class is either equity, sukuk, which is Islamic bond, relaxed state to some extent. Islamic PE fund is not big. Islamic VC fund is not big. And in many areas, uh, Islamic fund do not go into. They, do, they can't do it either because of restriction or because there's no one who is uh, championing it or driving it. So the lack of product means that there's lack of opportunity and lack of choices for investors. And this reason we're not seeing the growth in the asset management uh, as much as you see the growth in the uh, conventional space. Um, I think the third point is being said, but I think it's still valid, is the lack of awareness and understanding. Despite the fact that there's been much progress uh, and Islamic finance, I would say today, is uh, very much in the mainstream, uh, but you'd be surprised when you go to a certain jurisdiction, people don't really understand what is Islamic finance. Yeah, they don't absolutely. They've heard about it, but they don't really understand uh, what it means. So this lack of awareness and understanding uh, does not incentivize investors to go and buy Islamic product or to go and buy Islamic insurance in that sense. So I think this is also a reason why you are not seeing that kind of growth in asset management and takafo vis-a-vis what you see in Islamic banking, especially. Uh, I'm not sure whether it is um, it is uh, appropriate, uh, but this is something that I think I've also perceived uh, that uh, there are also cultural and sometimes regulatory barriers. Now, what do, what do I mean? Islamic finance has traditionally been more accepted and prevalent in Muslim majority countries, right? So. You talk about Indonesia, or you talk about Saudi Arabia, or you talk about Turkey or Malaysia, you find that it's the, the, there are more people embracing it because the majority of the people are actually Muslim. Um, so, therefore, there's a stronger demand for Sharia compliant uh, uh, banking, Sharia compliant capital market in instrument. But in other jurisdictions, you find that there is no such uh, uh, immediate embrace, right? So, these other jurisdiction where there is no Islamic banking or there's no Islamic capital market, they do not invest also into the Islamic asset management funds or Islamic takafu because they don't understand it. Uh, and there's no regulation in the country to, to adopt uh, the, yes, to adopt the asset management or to adopt takafu framework in the economy. So I think this is also another reason why you're not seeing the kind of growth globally, at least to contribute to a more even growth across the various uh, sectors of Islamic finance. Right. What would you hope to see in the next maybe three to five years? What is something that could be exciting that we could all look forward to um, in the industry? Okay. Uh, let's start with the PE and VC space. I think, the, as I mentioned earlier, the era of cheap and easy money is over. So it becomes more expensive now to raise money. I think this will be a challenge for uh, the P and VC industry, whether it is in a conventional Islamic space, it will be a challenge. Uh, we have also seen how these high valuation companies have tanked, right? The share prices of Grab have dropped, I don't know, 70, 80%, and so is GoTo, and so is uh, C Group, and so forth. So all these high lofty valuations, I think, could also be over. I think investors are not, not willing to just throw money just because the business model looks great. Uh, and throw money, throw caution to the wind with high valuation. I think they'll be more picky going forward in terms of 
the valuations into the company and so forth. So, so that would mean that it will not be so free and easy anymore for PE firms to raise money, you know, that propelled this huge growth in the last few years. Uh, so that thing will be the immediate challenge. Um, but on the other hand, you have very powerful investors like the Sovereign Wealth Fund in GCC, very deep pockets, and they are continuously looking for PE VC opportunity uh, as part of the economic diversification, right? As part of uh, the search for higher yield that can outperform the benchmark. So with this uh, liquidity provided by the Sovereign Wealth Fund, I think to some extent it could uh, has a counteract uh, counterbalance on what I think could be a less liquidity coming from the non-sovereign if they become very picky on the valuation. So the challenge is, is that the liquidity could be a challenge. The cost of uh, funding could be a challenge. But then on the other hand, the opportunity is that Sovereign Fund in GCC is getting more active. And I think that's going to draw more uh, other GC, other Sovereign Wealth Fund into the PEVC space, uh, which I think augurs well for the industry uh, as a whole. Um, I also think that technology will continue to be the primary driver. Uh, there's so much interest in fintech, everything tech today, as you know. There's so much interest in that, and I think the next three to five years will be the tech world. Uh, a lot of things on the tech side will drive the industry forward in the next uh, three to five years. Now, what I would like to see is um, more Islamic or share compliant PEVC firms. Uh, as well as PEVC asset managers. I think this is uh, where it's missing. The Islamic uh, asset managers in the PEVC space is not as, as many as I would like it. And I think that uh, this is a pity because there's a lot of opportunity. So if we see more Islamic PE and VC investment firms, then I think the opportunity for Islamic finance growth will be better as, as on a whole. And the PEVC Islamic space will also grow uh, alongside it. Right. All right. Well, um, that's our time. I'd like to thank you so much again, uh, Mr. Lim, for joining us today. Yeah, most welcome, Nezrin. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.